Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week on our panel, we have Eric Henchett. Hello, hello. Uh, we have a returning... He was our guest last week, and he's now on our panel, Chris Fritz. Hi. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. So, uh, Chris, since you're now officially a panelist, you gave us a little bit of an intro last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do you want to just uh, fill everybody in on... I don't know, uh, anything that you didn't fill us in on last time? Gosh, so I got to remember what I did last week. Uh, There's probably not, not much that's new. Uh, let's see, right. if there's, is there an interesting fact that people might want to know besides the fact that I'm on the ViewCore team? I probably mentioned that. I probably also mentioned that I'm the curator for the documentation for View and do a lot of other development. Uh, development environment or s- sort of, uh, you know, things that make user or that make developers more productive or, or make their lives easier. Work on that kind of stuff. Besides yes. that, I, I'm just a, a, a guy who is currently living in Lansing, Michigan, which is a little bit chilly right now. So I'm, I'm cuddled up in a blanket. Awesome. Cuddle up and uh, do a podcast. I love it. All right. Well, um, I also know that you know you just you guys just announced the what is it, the cookbooks for the documentation. Yeah, yeah. So the this is something that we've been wanting to do for a while, and thanks to Sarah Drasner, who has taken the lead on developing the cookbook, uh, we finally have a beta out with some some starting recipes, and we'll be adding new recipes to it all the time, and also continuing to tweak and improve the existing recipes, and. They each each recipe walks through a very specific use case, uh, and demonstrates how you could solve that problem in view. And also, uh, this is something that I remember when I was first envisioning the cookbook. This is something I added on as something we could maybe do. And, and Sarah found that it was actually sometimes one of the most useful things. So she's made the the section about uh, alternative patterns for each recipe uh, actually required so that whenever we're, we're building something like, cause it real well development is always trade-offs. Uh, you know, there's never like a clear cut answer where this is just like always the best way to do something. Mm-hmm. And so that's a section where we get to talk about all the other ways that you could do that, those things, uh, 
you know, provide some links, provide some extra resources, and and also talk about some downsides of doing the thing the way that you know we're suggesting in that specific recipe. Which I, I think I think people often don't get. Like even in blog posts, uh, mm-hmm. like they often don't talk about why the thing that they're trying to teach you how to do, you might not want to do, or what are some other things that you could do instead. Very cool. And and yeah, I love that approach because then it's okay, well, why would I choose this one over that one? Did that take a lot more work? It really doesn't because the people who are writing those recipes usually are very aware of those things. And we don't go into a lot of detail. Like we don't we don't walk through the full explanation of how you'd do that with this alternative strategy um, or this alternative tooling. Now that would be a separate recipe. Okay. But we we do we do let people know about their existence and we, we try to link to some, some resources where they can learn more about those other things. Awesome. Well, we actually uh, lined up this um, session. Joe was going to talk to us about the Framework Summit, but um, he wound up having to go out of town on Friday. And then we wound up rescheduling this for today. But we're going to talk about Enterprise View. And I'm, I'm not quite sure where we want to start there. So do you want to get the ball rolling there? I mean... How do things change? And I guess I guess one other question that I have is, what 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 is enterprise development? How is that different from development development? Yeah, yeah, that was the first thing I was going to go into. <laughs> yeah, so what what is enterprise? Uh, the way that the way that I kind of define it in my head is that enterprise is typically like a big project, and often something that you're working on with a team, uh, and sometimes a big team. And oftentimes you have like other technologies, you know, maybe like legacy technologies that you have to like incorporate in this project. Um, you know, so there can be some some flexibility that's sometimes needed that mm-hmm. isn't needed for a lot of other projects. And it's often useful to have a lot more like developer tooling. Like that's where the, that's where developer tooling is most important because you know things like uh, linting and formatting and generators, uh, these all act as communication tools between developers, you know, to help them establish their best practices. Mm-hmm. And, and also things like internal documentation become more important when you're working with even just one other person, but especially with a large team and especially with people with a lot of different levels of uh, skill and experience, you know, working with the, the various technologies in the project. A lot of that sounds like stuff I'd want anyway, right? With the flexibility and the, you know, different people being able to approach it different ways and all of those different things. Uh, so, so maybe I'm just kind of missing the point there with yeah, the yeah. enterprise stuff. So I think in terms of flexibility, there is a trade-off with, um, you know, things kind of just working like out of the box uh-huh. and having conventions that, allow you to skip a lot of boilerplate, but uh, can be somewhat limited. So for example, one of the questions I get sometimes is, uh, there's a project that I've developed uh, called View Enterprise Boilerplate. And some people ask, well, why would I use View Enterprise Boilerplate over Nuxt? And, And Nuxt is a really great tool, but one way that I've sometimes described it is that Nuxt is more like like a really smart personal assistant that will immediately make you more productive because it's thinking about things that now you don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the boilerplate is more like a personal coach 
that gives you like the tools to be more productive and to sort of like customize uh, how you're working so that you can, you can be more productive. Uh, so something nice about Nuxt is that for like a great, great number of projects, it's very well suited to like, helping you be very productive right from the start, hit the ground running. Uh, but because it's, it's more opinionated, uh, because it does have a lot of conventions that uh, it places on you that, that aren't always 100% configurable or at least configurable in an easy way, uh, there are cases where you might find you need more flexibility than it's giving you and you're willing to spend a little bit more time like configuring like, your, your own project in order to get that flexibility. Does that make sense? Right. I yeah. know a lot of new developers, they're trying to struggling between, okay, there's Vue CLI out there and it's a great way to generate yeah. projects. I can use the Vue um, Nuxt starter template as yeah. well to generate my projects. And then you have your enterprise um, project uh, boilerplate too, which has some really great conventions in it, like the, uh, like the first class tests, uh, the global based components that you've kind of, some some great starters so which three of those you said i mean wh where do you start um wh where would you recommend i mean you just mentioned obviously the enterprise boilerplate and yeah is that uh is that your recommendation <laughs> well it, it really depends you know it really depends on exactly what you're building and actually uh just sort of as a fun coincidence this morning or maybe it was yesterday i added in uh, a few questions to an faq in the boilerplate that answers questions like, why would I use this boilerplate instead of generating a new project with CLI direct, with Vue CLI directly? Because the project actually uses Vue CLI. Um, it uses Vue CLI 3, which is in, in beta right now. Uh, so, so it's not really an either or question with Vue CLI or the boilerplate. And in terms of Nuxt, I, I touched on that a little bit. There's some more information in the documentation. But I will also say that with Nuxt, it's not necessarily an either-or thing there as well, because the boilerplate also demonstrates a lot of powerful conventions that you can use even in Nuxt apps. So you could use Nuxt as uh, what you use to build your product, but you could use the boilerplate as sort of like a study guide. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that's, that's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just saw here you're getting started in documentation. This is great. Because I think that's one thing a lot of new view developers struggle with is just try to figure out like what's the best practices that I'm supposed to be using. I mean, the guides mm -hmm. are great, but having something like I can pull down this whole starter uh, enterprise boilerplate and just kind of say, hey, this is probably the best way I should be doing tests. This is how I should handle, um, you know, base components and global components and, and some of the other things that, that uh, you brought into here, which is really cool, like routing layouts and views get an idea of, of what a, a good large generated Vue.js app, non-trivial, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so, so what decisions do you make then when you're setting up this kind of an enterprise app that are going to really impact the way that people build their apps? I mean, are, are you yeah. picking specific tools? Are you just... Is it just guidelines use these kinds of tools? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, great question. So I, I am actually speaking or 
picking specific tools. And everything's configurable, but I, I try to set up some defaults that I've generally found work well for a wide variety of teams. So for example, uh, in terms of CSS, I, I recommend that people use SCSS as a default choice. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the project assumes SCSS. And the reason for that is just because SCSS is a superset of CSS. And so, so people who you know, may not be familiar with that particular preprocessor can still recognize most of what they're seeing. Uh, and they'll be able to like, slowly learn the additional features that they need as they go. So it's, it's really good for uh, a team with a wide variety of skill levels, people who may not even sometimes know CSS very well. And they just want to like paste some CSS that they wrote, you know, when they were like fooling around on another project and they want to, they want to paste it in. And then it can be frustrating when it's not working because, oh, we're using stylus here and it's actually requires a different syntax in certain cases. Uh, something nice about SCSS is you can just paste it in and it'll always work. And it also works well with tooling like Stylent, which I, I think is, is really important. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do try to make some technology technology decisions for people and architecture decisions for people uh, based on what I found tends to work well in my consulting work. And actually one of the reasons I built this boilerplate was because in a lot of my uh, consulting work, I found that one of the first tasks was often to build something like this for their team. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd always start with an interview, uh, just you know, asking the team a bunch of questions, but then I'd I'd end up building mostly the same app for almost everybody. <laughs> and, right. and I realized like, you know, this is, this is a little bit silly. Like, what, what would I do this like same thing over and over again? I'd rather do something more interesting and just like skip right to the really interesting work. And mm -hmm. so this is, this is my way of not having to do that anymore. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I noticed you also used, uh, looks like Axios and Vuex and Vue Router. Um, which all, which, I mean, obviously Axios is the recommended library to do uh, HTTP requests. And that, that's definitely very solid. I like this is all in one, one package for you. And like Axios. Dash. A, I'm having, go ahead. I was just going to say, and Axios is a soft recommendation. Like it's something that we, we recommend in the view docs for people who have never like used Vue before. Uh, and they, have never used some kind of like Ajax library and they don't know what to pick. That's just like, there are so many good ones and, and they're all pretty good. Like Axios is just a good one. So if you're using something other than Axios, you're not doing it wrong. <laughs> so what, I mean, there's a little history behind that because at one time view resources was like the recommended way to do things, right? Mm, yeah. Well, and of course that's gone away. So it, it yeah, this, this is a little bit, this is a little bit complicated. I don't know how much we want to get into it, but View resources was never really something that was maintained by the Vue core team. I believe it was maintained by PageKit and, and created by the, the PageKit team who are using Vue. And um, I, was, I was actually one of the people who in, like, kind of fought for uh, moving it out of the official Vue.js organization because I worried that it would imply that that's something you needed in order to use Ajax within Vue. Uh, 
And if people were already familiar with something that they were using and they were happy with, I didn't want them to think they had to switch. And a lot of people were getting that impression. And so that's why we, we just recommend Axios to show off that, like, really, you can use anything with you. Uh, and, and also, I don't know if it makes sense to try to like, reinvent uh, stuff that already works just you know, for view. That's awesome. Yeah. And I also see uh, view meta. I haven't used that, but it looks like a pretty neat way to add meta description. Or what does view meta do? So it's for adding page meta. Yeah. um, Meta information about the page. So for example, when you navigate to a new route, you probably want to change the title of that route, like in the head of that HTML. And you might also want to change some meta tags, like the description of the site. You might want to, you know, change the like Twitter cards and stuff like that. So that gives you the 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 tool that you need to do that to do Very that cool. easily at least yeah yep that makes sense and the last thing i would want to say is to yeah, use jest which i think is the preferred you guys decide that's the preferred way of doing testing in, in view it's something that a lot of people on the core team like i wouldn't say it's necessarily the preferred um because uh other testing frameworks will also be able to like test view just as well. So if you use, you know, Ava or if you use Karma and Mocha, you know, again, you're not doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I happen to really like Jest. And so that's, that's what I've built into here. And I, I really like the, like the uh, features and some of the like logging that, that Jest gives you. Yeah, I was using Mocha Webpack for the last project I was doing. Um, but yeah, definitely just works great too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I was just going to say that view test utils, uh, which is the recommended uh, testing companion library with view, will work with any of the testing frameworks. So that's not something that you have to worry about. Yeah, I know Ed Yerberg, I've talked to him before. Yeah. Um, and he was writing the, a test book on for Manning, which is uh, another uh, we're both authors. So I was talking to him a lot when about testing in view for a while that he used that with Jest a lot of his book, too. I was going to say, yeah, Ed likes Jest as well. <laughs> we're both fans. One thing that I like about this uh, view uh, boilerplate is that under features, it's not, oh, well, you get this. This is all set up for you and this is all set up for you. But it's you know, it's thorough documentation. And so, you know, I I guess the features of the boilerplate, but, you know, you've got the consistency and the testing and the, 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 the speed with which you can do development. And, and I like that the idea is because these are kind of the overarching uh, features that you're aiming for with this, as opposed to, or the overarching principles behind it, as opposed to, Hey, you know, we're just going to set up all this crap for you. And then you don't (laughs) ever have to think about it again. Right. It's, you know, we're going to give you a solid start and we're going to, we're going to allow you to move ahead with these kinds of tools or with these kinds of principles in mind. Yeah, no, exactly. For everything that I build into the boilerplate, I start with the goals that I have in mind for the boilerplate and then everything else is really in implementation detail. Uh, So I I don't, I don't consider those like first class citizens of the boilerplate. You know, nothing is sacred. If it's not working for people, then... Uh, or if it's not, you know, helping them 
be more productive, if it's not helping them develop faster, uh, if it's not helping them maintain consistency, like between members of a team and avoid bike shedding, it's not helping them do things like that, then it's not serving them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do have to say though, you know, so you, you've talked, you know, you have the features in here for documentation, consistency, first class tests and uh, speedy development. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what are the principles then that apply to the way that people should move forward from this or, you know, the, the things that people should be thinking about as they begin to build out then their application for enterprise? Um, you know, is, is there some level of like automation or repeatability or um, specific types of tooling or things like that, that that you, you know, that you're aiming for? So it's like, all right, you know. Uh, make sure that you're documenting your code. Make sure you're testing your code. You know, some of these principles that you have for the boilerplate will show up in their code as well. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to set a good example uh, and to give them a good place to put any kind of documentation that they might want mm -hmm. uh, in the generators. Whenever you generate like a new component or a new view or a new layout or something like that or a new utility, it always generates an accompanying unit test as well. And so throughout the project, there are little things that I'm trying to use to encourage best practices, but it really will right. be up to the team to decide that they're actually going to do that. You know, they mm -hmm. could decide that they're going to like avoid or rewrite the generators so that they don't generate unit tests because they decide, oh, I mean, that we feel like the unit tests are slowing us down. So you know, they, yeah, they, they don't have to do that, but I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage what I've seen work well. Right. And you have to use Vue CLI three to, to do all this, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The Vue CLI, I know it's really neat. I just was playing around with the other day, the beta version, cause I know it's not completely out yet. And I know they've added in some more options of how to put together your apps. And it sounds like you can, um, well, with, since you probably helped write, write some, you can extend it and write your own generators too. I know there's like TypeScript support. What do you think about TypeScript support? Is that something that's going to be really, and this goes a little bit beyond your enterprise uh, uh, or, uh, code that you've created. Do you think that's going to be something that's going to be more prevalent for, for us view developers? So do, do I think TypeScript is going to get bigger? Uh, yeah, for, for Vue, right. I, I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't include, uh, I don't use TypeScript in the project. And I actually, on the, the technology document, uh, I address it in an FAQ, like, why don't I use TypeScript in the view, the view enterprise boilerplate? Uh, wouldn't it be more enterprisey to use TypeScript? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's why you do things in enterprise software, right? Because it's <laughs> enterprisey. I'm going to use that. Yeah. And I have very little doubt in my mind that eventually uh, TypeScript will offer like the best tooling for developers, period, in all cases. But right now, uh, the situation is a little bit less clear cut. Uh, the, the types are really useful, but I've also seen teams... Um, spin their wheels a lot, like trying to get like 100%, um, you know, 100% types for everything. Uh, and that's, that's time that they could spend, you know, doing things like writing unit tests, doing things like 
uh, giving like really thorough code reviews. And those are things that I see providing more be benefits generally uh, in terms of like avoiding bugs. Uh, and, and right now, like with the, there are a lot of like ESLint rules and things like that, that I, that I find really useful. And TypeScript has TSLint and TypeScript also has um, an experimental ESLint parser, but uh, you know, they say that it may completely miss some ESLint rules um, or flag some false positives, you know, which are all things that I, I'd really not rather not want to have to mess around with. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for now, I, I still recommend, you know, using Babel. But okay. I, I think eventually, like TypeScript, TypeScript is really, really awesome. And it's getting more awesome all the time. And I think eventually the tooling for TypeScript will be a superset of just the tooling for JavaScript. And it'll be a no-brainer. Yeah, and I've seen some examples of people using TypeScript in Vue. And it had a lot of different annotations that I didn't recognize. And they were kind of doing it a lot differently. I guess we'll have to see how that shakes out as more people start diving into to the newest version of the CLI and start generating TypeScript type apps and seeing how popular it gets. And it feels like it might be a different way of, of creating your view app itself. There's some different plugins people have created that looks, makes it look a little different. Yeah, absolutely. In order to use TypeScript with Vue, you do have to craft uh, Vue components a little bit differently in order to make it work well with the type system. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's something that's going to be coming in the future, but it's cool that, that people have the opportunity of doing that now or will soon, I guess. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of anybody actually um, using Vue on large apps or, have, or are you aware of anyone who's used the Vue Enterprise boilerplate in order to start an app that they're currently deploying to production? Gosh, good question. I definitely do know a lot of people who are using Vue for large apps. Uh, mm. that's, that's a lot of my clients. <laughs> right. Um, and, and also, uh, you know, bigger than, you know, even anything that I've worked on. I, gosh, I, I think I, I heard an estimate at one time that half the billion plus dollar companies in China were using Vue in some capacity. You know, and oh, that wow. includes companies like Alibaba, who have more users than the United States has people. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they have a lot of developers uh, as well. So like in, in every conceivable way, like Vue has scaled well for them. Mm -hmm. so, so really there's, there's not a question of like, does Vue scale? Uh, right. I think we're, we're far beyond that. In terms of using the boilerplate, uh, it's still relatively new. So mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who's built like a, you know, a really big app because the, there just probably hasn't been time. <laughs> I think I only right. published it maybe, uh, maybe a month ago or something like that. Can you talk about your, the uh, talk that you did that kind of preceded this, this uh, boilerplate where you talked about some of the best practices? Like how did that come about? I mean, how was that? Mm. Are, you, are you referring to the seven secret patterns view consultants don't want you to know? Yes. Yeah. I think everybody <laughs> who's listening more. to this right now, <laughs> anybody <laughs> listening to this definitely needs to go and watch that video. It was pretty entertaining and awesome. And definitely, even if you don't know a ton about view, I think these are, are good patterns and good things that you should know. Oh, th thank you. Yeah. And actually that in the chat so we can get it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave that talk at, 
uh, Spotlight Vue.js in Toronto uh, somewhat recently at the beginning of this month. And then by the time that this is released, this podcast is released, uh, ViewConf will have come and gone. And I will have given that talk at ViewConf as well, although a slightly different version. Uh, I'm switching out. Every time I give that talk, I want to switch out some of the patterns that I, I talk about. Mm -hmm. So that for people to learn all the secret patterns, they really have to collect them all. Oh, there you go. There's a meta game to my talk. <laughs> <laughs> Got to catch them all, huh? Yep, yep. No, and also to keep things interesting. Like if people have, uh, you know, already watched my talk online and then they, you know, pay to go to the conference and then they just see the same exact thing. Like I, I want to provide a little bit more unique value. Mm-hmm makes sense yeah i think this comes out right after view comp so yeah and and eric i think what was the let's see there was a question about about the talk and how it relates to universe boilerplate would you mind repeating that yeah because i know in the talk you mentioned like you mentioned the boilerplate at the end of it and that you're going to be adding these patterns to the boilerplate so mm. i think there was some tie in there to it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So the boilerplate actually came before I had fully planned the talk. And a lot of them came from the talk and also from, you know, talking to other people in the community. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, it really all, all of most of my work is, is really related. Uh, so, you know, I, I work on documentation and development. And some of these examples that I've integrated in the boilerplate are now in the documentation or actually will soon be in the documentation. By the time people hear this, it will be published in the documentation. We, um, yeah, I can announce this because we, we haven't announced it yet, but we will have announced it by then. Okay. So Sarah Drasner and I have completely rewritten and reorganized the components page of the, the view docs, which previously was, was really long. And we got some complaints about it because it was just a lot to digest in one sitting. And so now we've broken it down into uh, a components basics section that is still in the essentials of our view docs. Uh, and you can read that to, to really get the, the basics of components so you can just like get started building stuff. And then we also have a components in-depth section that has a bunch of other pages that go into a lot more detail than we even did before. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we've added a lot of examples that we didn't have before and also improved a lot of the examples so that uh, you know, things are generally clearer and there's a more continuous flow like throughout the documentation, you know, referring to the same kind of example and building on it uh, as, as we go. So a lot, of, a lot of little improvements like that that I think people will be really happy with, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I, wor uh, I worked hard on it and Sarah, Sarah worked hard on it too. Awesome. And do you guys uh, recommend, uh, obviously, this is an open source project. So um, are you guys looking for people to help with documentation too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Our, our docs are open source and on every page of our docs, there's actually a link to open an issue and, you know, tell us about something that, you know, confused you or that, you know, didn't seem to be accurate. And we get people opening up issues all the time, helping us, helping us improve stuff. And that's, that's very, very helpful. Yeah, it's very cool. I know a lot of times, I mean, that's, it's uh, a ton of work doing documentation in any project and, and definitely something like Vue.js. I'm 
glad you guys are, are up to the task to write that. And I know you guys both are, are good writers too. So I'm sure it came pretty naturally to get in there. Did you guys update the inline templates and X templates section? I know some people don't like inline templates and X templates in general. <laughs> so when you say, when you say update them, do you mean like remove them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remove them. <laughs> no, that is still a feature of you and we still document it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. I know some people do uh, not but like those. It is now in a components edge cases page. Okay. Uh, and so we, we do document that more clearly as, you know, something that you don't normally need to do. Uh, but for the rare cases that you do need to do that, here's how to do it. Great. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. So is there anything that you're looking to add to the, um, the, the enterprise boilerplate or the documentation that will uh, guide people or, you know, add something to the experience of writing large apps with Vue? Yeah, there's actually um, a pretty interesting integration for a storybook, uh, which is uh, started in the React community, and now it supports uh, more frameworks than just React. And for those who aren't familiar with it, it helps you develop sort of like a, a visual style guide for all of the components in your app, all, all the different pieces, so that you can uh, you know, actually see what this button looks like when it's, you know, like for people who are familiar with bootstrap when it's like type danger or type success or type primary, mm -hmm. and then also what it looks like when it's disabled or what it looks like when it's hovered, uh, you know, just, just to walk you through all those, all those styles so that when you're prototyping too, like when you're, when you're developing those, you can uh, instantly see at a glance, like how a change that you've made affects all of those different states for that component. Right. It's really handy. And, uh, there's a, a member of the community that, um, is uh, doing a lot of work to, to make that easier. And I'm looking forward to having that in soon. Uh, something I've also been experimenting with uh, so far, just locally, is I've been really falling in love with Tailwind CSS, uh, which is a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blinking on, I'm blinking on their names now. But it's a, it's a really interesting utility first CSS framework that uh, really acts as more of like a like a like a style guide for like all of your application uh, in terms of letting you set up like the the specific styles that you want to um, or the, the specific like colors that you want to use for uh, different parts of your app and also different like sizes that you want to use in different contexts. Uh, and it's a, it's a really powerful tool that I'd like to figure out how to integrate better with Vue. There are a few things that I haven't been able to work out, but uh, I think I will be able to, to to work them out once I have a little bit more time after ViewConf. <laughs> right. Sorry, that was a yeah, little bit convoluted. I, obviously, this is still in the idea stage. <laughs> right. I, I just went and looked at the page, I guess. Adam Wathan? Wathan? Yes. Rainick. Ray, Ray, I think it's Rainick. Uh, David Hemphill and Steve Shoger. Yeah. So, so, so those very clever folks. Awesome. Yeah. And it's uh, tailwindcss.com. Um, interesting. So, one other thing that I'm wondering about, because I have built a couple of apps that could be considered 
um, by your definition, enterprise software, you know, where it's, it's a large code base, it's used by a lot of people, it's designed to be used by a lot of people, uh, reasonably high traffic, a lot of data in it. And, you know, so a lot of these tools help me kind of keep track of what's going on in it. And some of these tools help me write better code that's not going to have some issues. But inevitably, some of these big apps, they wind up being highly coupled or they wind up... Uh, I say I say that one first because that's the one that we ran into and wound up doing a rewrite to get around. But you know they have they just have some of these issues, and so you know what should people be looking for as they develop to make sure that they're not um, at least building in some of the more common issues you run into with larger uh, applications? Because it seems like you're giving them the tool set, mm-hmm. but there's a certain level of practice that you have to put into it in order to not screw it up. Yeah, absolutely. So. First, I'd say that uh, Vue has an uh, ESLint plugin called ESLint Plugin Vue that mm-hmm. will warn you about a lot of things that uh, will cause errors or you know, could potentially create a problem down the road. And we have various levels of uh, rule sets. Uh, right now, I, by default, I turn on all the rules uh, down to recommended. We have the essentials, you know, these are things for error prevention. We have strongly recommended. And then we have recommended, you know, things where mm-hmm. you really just have to make a decision uh, and be consistent with it. And so uh, that gives you a lot of what you might need to avoid problems in your app. I, I also recommend checking out the style guide uh, from the view docs. And, and also, you know, as we continue to develop the, the cookbook, I think that will increasingly become a really great source for best practices. So if you want to learn like, okay, how would I, how would I solve this problem that, you know, the boilerplate hasn't solved for me. Um, but you know, it's, it's relatively common. I'm sure other people have run into it before. Uh, if there's not a cookbook recipe for that already, you can open up an issue on the view docs too. And, um, and actually request a cookbook recipe. You don't have to be the one to write it. Uh, you can just, Ask someone else, and then uh, we we know a lot of people, and also we uh, have time to write some recipes ourselves. So, you know, we can we can try to get that set up for you. So, in, awesome. inside the enterprise app, you guys have your own recommended. So, you recommended some some defaults for the styles in your linting guide in your style link config file. I think I'm seeing here. Yeah, absolutely. I, one of the goals that I generally have when I build these kinds of things for clients is if people ever have to argue about style, like during a pull request, like, or, you know, during a code review, then, you know, there's something that we're doing wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather code reviews were full of the, the much more interesting, like questions and comments that have to do specifically with the app and not Oh, should we have had a space here, or should we, you know, have had a comma here, or uh, do we use semicolons in this case or not? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's that's good. That's never interesting to talk about, and it just wastes everybody's time. <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I think though, if you're having these conversations, um, don't immediately go to "I'm doing it wrong." Go to "We need to have a conversation about this," and then automate it so we don't ever have to have the conversation about it again. Yeah. And that's, that's where the linting comes in. That's, that's where it pays off. Because, yeah, it's, you know, if you have the conversation once, you kind of have to at some point. But after that, it's a complete waste of time to have it over and over and over again. 
no tabs, no tabs. No, we already decided this. And the tool tells us that you did it the other way. So fix it. Yeah. And I'm guessing you recommend Prettier too, to yep. just auto format stuff. Yeah. Pr- Prettier is used in the project. And actually um, the linting and formatting and even unit tests will, will run on pre-commit for staged files. Cool. Uh, and it's, yeah, and I, you know, jumping on what you were just saying, Chuck, I, I don't like every rule that Prettier offers, but uh-huh. I like even more not having to talk about rules, <laughs> which, yeah, is why, exactly. which is why I use it and why I recommend it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, you know, it was funny. I was having a conversation with um, somebody for my Ruby story, um, and he's the um, head of engineering for the company he works for. Um, and we were talking about how communication is so important, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you can communicate something and then encapsulate it in some way, I mean, that, that's the payoff. Cause then you're talking about the things that you can't just automate away. You can't just, you know, that you're talking about the things that really matter because most of the things that are routine are the things that you can automate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other goals of the, the boilerplate is to, like make make those discussions uh you know that, that kind of bike shedding as rare as possible and to automate as much as possible including a mm-hmm. uh, an example um configuration for circle ci and I, I i may add you know other configurations as well like for travis and things like that yep uh, I wanted to ask too, um, how so you mentioned a little bit about view comp, so how you're obviously preparing for that you're going to use a modified presentation, um, so some new, cool, new things. And it, I mean, how, how's it going for the presentation then? And when is ViewConf? How, how is it? It's just in about a week from now recording, and it will probably be maybe a week ago from the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah. it sounds like you're all... So, so how am I doing in preparing those examples? Are you asking yep. me if I'm prepared or from sweating bullets right now? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I still have, I, I honestly still have a little bit more work to do, uh, but we're, we're in good shape. I think it should be good. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. My, my wife will still have to sit through me giving her the presentation like half a dozen times before <laughs> I get it. <laughs> nice. She's, she's very, very kind to do that for me. And she gets really great feedback, especially uh, something that I, I keep having to work on, talk slower, talk slower, talk slower. Because when I get really <laughs> excited about something, and especially when I go on a tangent, I'm sure it happens right now in this podcast too. I tend to you know speed up three times. So for the people who are already listening to this podcast at 3x speed, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, do you think so that the... the information density is like 9x? You're good. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if they can understand anything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> really dense information, but uh, totally unconsumable. Yeah. yeah, I'm just hoping that I'm just glad that there's more view conferences coming all the time and, and uh, especially in the US. Uh, so I'm hoping, yeah, that'll just keep, keep continuing on. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, is there any other aspect of this that we should dive into? We've been talking for almost an hour. Hmm. Let's see. I guess one little nice touch that I added that I kind of like is that 
as soon as you clone and get started with your project, I have a little script that injects a compare URL to uh, the latest master on GitHub. So that at any given time, you can see what the features, what features were added since you cloned and started you know, developing on your own. So that, for example, if there's ever anything that uh, you know, breaks because a library updated or something like that, or if there's something that you're not sure like, how to handle and you think you know, it, it might be handled now in the boilerplate, then you can check out that compare URL and get a diff of like all the new things we added, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I wish I wish more projects did something like that because it's it's nice to be able to have full control over customizing your project, but also be able to see like what things were changed, uh, including mm-hmm. like commit messages and seeing like why they were changed. Right. Uh, so, for example, I think um, there was a recent update to Stylent. And there was one rule in Stylent config standard that doesn't work very well for .view files. And someone who's using View Enterprise Boilerplate right now checked out that compare URL. I actually just talked about uh, talked with him about this this morning, and uh, was able to see that uh, we disabled that rule in in Stylent, explaining like why we disabled it. And so he he knew how to solve that problem. It's like okay, so I just need to disable that rule. We're good. I'm fine. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think that's about it. Awesome. Well, this is usually the part where I ask people where they can find you online, but uh, we did that last week. So let's go ahead and do some picks. Sounds good. For you, the listeners of JavaScript Jabber, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Chris, do you have some picks for us? Absolutely. And I am prepared this time, unlike last week. So I talked about a couple of sci-fi books last week. And this week... I also want to talk about another group of sci-fi books called The Three-Body Problem uh, by a Chinese author whose name I am absolutely sure that I am butchering, but I will attempt it, Liu Sishen, or or, or something like that. I apologize, do not speak Chinese. Uh, Yeah, but it's it's a great series. And it, hmm, I, I really don't want to give any spoilers, but... It has a lot of big ideas in it. And like a lot of like good novels, it, it kind of reads like a mystery, uh, especially the first novel. So I, I definitely recommend that checking that out. The, the series is called The Three-Body Problem, and the first book is called The Three-Body Problem. So check that out. I think there's only one book by that, by Liu Sishin, um, in case you find more than one. Uh, and then I also want to talk about games. If 
you are a busy adult and sometimes don't have time to spend like three hours on a game or like even 12 hours like I like to do sometimes when I get a really fun RPG. I definitely recommend roguelikes if you're not already playing them. This is a category of game that uh, has like usually in, in procedurally generated uh, world that you can go through and you get like a little bit more powerful every time and you learn more about the world every time you go through. And it can be a lot of fun to jump in for sometimes even just five minutes when you, you know, have a break, you know, right before uh, recording a podcast, for example. And then you can jump out and get back to work. And lately, uh, one roguelike that I've been playing is called Into the Breach, which was recommended by my brother. And it's very, very good. And it's by the same people who made Faster Than Light, if you've played that game, uh, also known as FTL. And then I have one more pick. Uh, this is uh, sort of under the cool stuff category, cool stuff that people are doing. So View Vixens, this is a program for, quote unquote, foxy people for identi who identify as women and want to learn View to make websites and mobile apps. And you can find out more about them at viewvixens.org. Uh, they're, they're doing workshops at a lot of conferences, uh, including at ViewConf. I, I totally recommend like checking them out uh, if you're interested or if you're interested in learning about how you can support the really awesome work that they're doing. It's similar to programs like NG Girls, uh, if you ever, mm. uh, if you ha have any experience with that. Yep. NG Girls, RailsBridge. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, women Who Code. I, I guess they don't do as many... Well, I guess they do do workshops, but their focus is a little bit different. But yeah, cool stuff. That's all right, it? Eric, what are your picks? Uh, all right, so I have, I have one pick. Uh, mentioning View Vixens, uh, there's View, and this is kind of an older but goodie, I guess, for people who may not know. If you're using Visual Studio Code, View VS Code Extension Pack is really awesome. Um, has a list of really great extensions. is written by uh, your friend Sarah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she put together this pack of, if you're a view developer and you're using Visual Studio Code, this is just all the important essentials you need. It has like Prettier, we just mentioned earlier, which just kind of helps you format your code. It has view snippets, Vitor, um, has some formatting toggles, some bookmarks, um, Jumpy, ES6 snippets. So a, a bunch of really cool extensions all, all in one that you'll need to get up and running. So I would uh, recommend that. You can just Google UVS code extension pack. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a couple of things. Um, one is um, I've had a lot of people asking me where they can find the podcast because apparently it's still not approved on iTunes. Thanks, Apple. Um, it is. I, I did get it approved on the Google Google UR or what do you call it? Uh, Google Play. On oh, Google Play. There we go. I can think. Um, so anyway, so if you are looking it up on that particular podcast um, platform, then uh, definitely uh, you can find it over there. A few other things that I'm just going to throw out. Um, one is that I'm trying to get the podcast into more places. So um, I'm going to start doing a, a briefing for JavaScript Jabber. It's it, I don't know what I think I'm just going to call it JavaScript Rants. So they're going to be like five minute just tears on something related to JavaScript on <laughs> the Alexa. Um, uh, what do they call those flash briefings? So you can subscribe to that in your Alexa skills. Um, and my echo is probably going crazy. <laughs> oh, what you talking to me? You talking to me? Anyway, um, 
so we're going to try and get that out there for some folks. And I'm working on uh, just some other things there. Um, I'm also putting together JavaScript Dev Summit. I was going to do it in the middle of May, but I think I may push it back until June. So anyway, we're, we're kind of playing with some of those ideas as well. Um, but yeah, uh, that's all I have as far as like updates, as far as this show goes and some of the other shows uh, go. Uh, the React, uh, React Roundup hasn't been approved either, by the way. Um, but yeah, and then um, I've been re-listening to a book series. I know I've picked it on the other shows before. Um, Wheel of Time. Um, I'm on book 13 of 14, I think. And uh, anyway, it's just kind of a way for me to relax and, and listen to stuff. So that sounds like fun. Um, you know, or that is fun listening to those. So I'm excited about that. And then by the time this comes out, uh, Ready Player One, the movie should be out. And I'm excited about that as well. So um, I'm going to pick all of those. And then finally, if you're going to be at NGConf, let me know. Uh, just email me, Chuck at devchat.tv or tweet at me at cmaxw. Um, I'd love to just get a bunch of people together and go grab lunch. I know this is a view podcast, but I'm finding that there's a bit of crossover between the different uh, communities for different um, frameworks. So if you're going to be there, let me know because uh, I'm here in Salt Lake. I live here. But besides that, uh, I will be at the conference. So I, I'd love to just go and sit down and see what you're all about. Um, one last pick that I have. And yeah, this pick is about uh, myself and a few other folks. But uh, somebody put out a tweet and basically said, I've been teaching myself to the code for the last year. And he mentioned a whole bunch of people, myself included, as far as, you know, these folks really helped me out. And more than anything else, that's really what I'm doing these shows for. And so if these shows have helped you out in some way, um, I love hearing that. Like I'm not out there to toot my own horn and I probably won't share it anywhere else unless you ask me to. But it, it's the payoff that I look for from this. So anyway, just going to throw that out there. And again, you can just shoot me an email, chuck at devchat.tv and just say, hey, I listened to these shows and this is how they've helped me out. And, you know, uh, things have been kind of rocky lately with, um, some family and other issues. And so, you know, a little pick me up would be nice. And it's also just nice to hear from people what they think. Um, I've, I've also, one last thing, I've been putting together um, some places where you can suggest topics um, from user voice. So if you go to viewsonview.com and click on suggest a topic, or su I, I don't know what it's going to say exactly on the link, but it'll just say something like that. You can recommend people that you would like us to have on the show and topics that you'd like us to talk about on the show. And we'll see if we can get those lined up. Um, and if you don't have a topic in mind, you just want to see what other people are putting out there, you can go there and vote up the ones you like. So all of that helps. Um, I'm probably going to have my assistant basically go hunt down anything that gets more than 10 votes. So um, anyway, just putting all that out there. Um, anyway, thanks for coming, you guys. And uh, Chris, thanks for all the work you do on the view team and with these uh, boilerplates and, and tools like that. Because... I mean, the more the more we have of this stuff, the easier it gets to make what we want, right? Yeah, and uh, thank you, and, and thank you for the uh, for DevChat TV. Like, I, <laughs> I've been listening to DevChat TV shows for years, and uh, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but I don't know if I'd actually be like a part of Views Core team if I hadn't like been, you know, pushed in what is it, late 2015. Uh, you know, hearing Evan on JavaScript Jabber, uh, that, that was the push that made me actually check out Vue. 
so yeah, really, I, I probably owe you my career. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's any <laughs> higher praise I can give you than that. <laughs> Just send me five bucks. We'll call it even. Five bucks. We'll call it even. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll get your address later. (laughs) I'm just joking, but, but seriously, you know, that that's the payoff for me. Oh, it made a difference to me. Well, you know, good. I'm glad. And that's what we're here for. So, all right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and we will catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.